0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, or even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. exactnature.com Welcome to The Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am, I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to the sobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and deciding to spend a portion of your day with me here on the Sobriety Diaries. Today, we are chatting with Andy Petty. She is a recovery and holistic wellness coach who I met on Instagram, of course, (laughs) So I mentioned in a previous episode, I had posted on Instagram that I had a cancellation and hey, who wants to share their story on the podcast? And Andy was quick to reach out and say that she was ready to share her story. And she had recently followed the Instagram page and started listening to the podcast. And I had thrown that up on my story in hopes of reaching uh, someone just in the in the right moment at the right time and we both absolutely agree that it certainly was the universe dropping uh, each other in our lives and it happening sort of at the exact right time that we both needed it to And by the end of the interview, I knew exactly why I was meant to hear her story. And honestly, we've become fast friends and Andy has an authenticity and a realness about her that I really adore. And I look for in, you know, people that I have close relationships with. And I sent her a text after the interview And said, like, I hope you don't think that I'm weird, but can we be friends? <laughs> and uh, we, we've we kept in touch. So hopefully we uh, will continue to do so. Uh, we are actually later today recording a recovery roundtable episode of the podcast. And Andy is uh, one of the contributors as well. So stay tuned for that episode but let's get on with today. Let's open the diary on Andy Petty. Andy Petty, thank you so much for joining me on the Sobriety Diaries this morning. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm so great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here.
0: I'm super excited to learn more about you. And, you know, we were kind of just chatting about the universe just Dropping little nuggets where they're supposed to be, so I have a feeling that i'm supposed to hear your story for a reason, so i'm excited to chat today.
1: Oh, I love that so much and i couldn't I couldn't agree more. The stars aligned for this conversation, so i'm really I'm really glad about that
0: absolutely. I got two replies to my story about, hey, who wants to share their story? I had a cancellation yesterday, and you were one of them. so what prompted you to i guess um, well in more ways than than just this podcast but decide to recover out loud and share your story with others
1: yeah that's a really good question and I, it was honestly just a gut reaction it's like i've uh, i think we've been following each other yeah. for a few months now and so i've you know been seeing you and uh the other guests that you've had and it was just kind of like in the back of my mind like wow that would be a really cool opportunity but again just trusting like when it makes sense when yeah. the time is right and so when you threw up that story, I re- it was honestly like, I was just happened to be scrolling through at the time and um, I don't have my kids this weekend. So I knew I would have the availability to fill that spot for you. Like it was ah, just, it was kind of just wow. perfect timing. And so I just quickly sent you a note. And honestly, I figured like, you might get so many replies, like two two
0: replies. And I was like, I've got to talk to both of these women for sure. So again, just another thing that's like, this is meant to be for For sure. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I'm so glad I said something. And this is something, you know, telling my story and having it reach more people and being able to help more people is like something that's literally like on my vision board Mm. for this year, especially. And so I think I've also been kind of just like manifesting more opportunities like this. So to me, it was like, I've been asking for this. I can't not take advantage of it, too, was the other thing.
0: Beautiful. I yeah. love that. Well, I usually like to kind of jump right into things and invite you to really start by by telling us when your last drink or drug was and why it was that day in particular.
1: Yeah. So my last drink was August 1st, 2017. Um, So it's been and it'll be five years this August. So it's about four and a half ish years right now. Amazing. Um, and it's interesting because I didn't actually know that that was my going to be my last drink. Um, I, it was one drink. Like I remember it just so vividly. I was going on a date with my partner at the time. I had one drink, we went to a show. And then after the show was over, the normal routine or thing would have been like, let's go to a bar, let's keep drinking.
0: And
1: and we did choose a bar, we walked in it and I remember standing in front of the bar and there was just this conscious self-awareness of fast forwarding through what's gonna happen for the rest of the night if I continue to drink, right? And it was one of those situations of like, uh, especially in my journey with alcohol, I, I was never like a could have just one. It was never a just one situation, right? Never. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I sit. So I'm like, okay, we go to this bar. If I continue, if I go ahead and just have another drink, it's just going to snowball. I just already knew like what was to come. And I just was like, I just don't feel like doing that tonight. Like, I just, there's something that was so exhausting about it to think about, to mm-hmm. feel like crap the next morning, um, to just, I was just like, I just don't want to do that right now. This just doesn't sound fun for me. And so that was the first time I feel like that I've really been able to play it forward and um, think about my decision in a conscious way. Uh, so that was my, my the last time I had a drink. But um, the reason I continued with not drinking was that I was actually prepping for like a spiritual retreat that I was going to be going on. And one of the requirements To go to the retreat was that you have to be thirty days sober. Mm -hmm. So I kind of planned it. I think the the trip was like the beginning of September. So basically, uh, right around August first was like pretty much the last day I could have a drink for three days. Anyways, yeah. But what happened was I went on the spiritual retreat, came back, and pretty much every day since then have had that conscious decision of, do I want to drink today? And the answer has always been no. So I I still operate from a mindset of. I'm taking it day by day, even though it's been four and a half years, you know, Mm -hmm. um, do I have any intention of drinking? Well, no, but I'm also, for me, it's like a mindset thing. I just have to stay in the present moment because if I start to think too far ahead into the future or like, I'm never going to drink again for the rest of my life. It almost like creates this anxious, like self-sabotage kind of feeling. And it's, so I'd rather just, yeah, stick with it that it's one day at a time. So yeah, that's the last time that I had a drink and I didn't even know that that was going to be the last time yeah. I, that I was going to have a drink. So
0: that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I have similar feelings. I have to take things 24 hours at a time, sometimes less because, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about doing anything for the rest of my life, it creates this, this anxiety that, that really I can't live with. So mm-hmm. I woke up Today, it's Sunday morning, and uh, you and I, I think, probably both decided that we're not going to drink today. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's as far as I take it. And yeah. it's worked for me for six and a half years. So, love that. We, yeah, operate uh, similarly in mm-hmm. our recovery. So, I like that. There's something that I adore or hold in high esteem, folks who make that decision on their own and mm. have, uh, to some degree, the willpower, you know, as you were standing at that bar and playing the tape forward and deciding like, uh-uh, not going to do it tonight. I, <laughs> the decision was made for me <laughs> mm. uh, with a few family members. And, you know, I really, I, I had decided that I was done, but I-, I just couldn't put the bottle down. Like I wanted to stop, but I just couldn't. So like the awareness was there on my end and the willingness to do it was there, but the power to put the bottle down wasn't. So that decision Mm -hmm. had to be made for me and, Mm -hmm. and to get me into a treatment program. So I just adore people that can really you know, make that decision on their own and decide that there is something better and that, you know, you're sort of done being a slave to the bottle. So mm-hmm. kudos to you on that.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. But I do think there's so much power in the individuality of everyone's story, right? Because certain people might relate to mine, but just as many people could relate to your path and your journey. So I love that, um, there is no one size fits all like way to do this, you know?
0: Yeah. That was one of the, like in the day that I decided to do a podcast and it's in like my sort of mission statement is to tell as many different stories Mm -hmm. as possible and to just across the spectrum of every way or how, or what brought us to this place of recovery. And I want to keep doing it until there's not, a different story to be told. So let's, if we can maybe backtrack a bit and maybe identify, you know, some things uh, you can go back as, as far as you want or start where you want to start. And I guess with four and a half years of a clear mind, at least mm-hmm. for me, I was able to look back and sort of reflect on things and and notice maybe particular patterns in my life that that perhaps contributed to uh, my decision to start drinking and that escalated my addiction. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I wonder if you have been able to do that in your recovery.
1: Yeah. Um, so I started drinking when I was about 13, 14 years old. So pretty young. I grew up in a home environment that was very toxic. Um, I had My, my mother was very uh, like mentally and emotionally and sometimes physically abusive to myself and my siblings. Um, And I also had gone through a really messy divorce with my, with my parents. And so um, there was a lot of trauma, definitely like early on, just a general sense and feeling of not being loved, of being unworthy of love, um, just that, that I never really felt like anyone cared about me or cared uh, you know, wanted to spend time with me or anything like that. And so when I started drinking, and especially the very first time I ever drank and got drunk, it turned on this part of me where, like, I didn't care if anybody, like, I didn't care what anybody thought about me. I didn't care even what I thought about myself. It was like I felt good and I felt happy. And of course, all of that is inauthentic because it's under the veil of dr- being drunk, right? right or alcohol. Right. But at the time, you know, my brain isn't even formed enough to make that distinction. So to me, it's like, oh, this is, this is the thing that makes me feel better and um, makes me happy. And so I definitely think the fact of how young I was and how just the brain development wasn't there yet. um, I think that already set the stage for an addiction. Um, But then as I got older, you know, turned 18, moved out of the house and then just kind of really dove into the world of partying. I worked in the service industry, bartender server, um, oh, all that kind of stuff. Man. It was just around all the time, right? And it's so it's really was
0: kind of, a li- it's a lifestyle, the service industry. Is. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, and so part of it was that part of it was that was the lifestyle. But then part of it was also anytime some kind of trauma occurred in my life or something was triggering about my family or something like that. That was always my go-to solution. Hmm. So it's like Yes, I had definitely had an addiction, but it was also like a coping mechanism as well. It wasn't always just for fun. It wasn't just because that's what you do. It was because I'm going through something really heavy right now. And this is all I know how to do to like change those feelings or mask those feelings because I don't want to feel them. I don't know how to process them. I was never given tools to learn how to process emotions and process trauma or triggers or anything like that. And so for me, I think it just became this pattern of, you drink when you're happy, you drink when you're sad, you drink when you're triggered. Like, it's just like, that's the go-to thing. Um, and there was definitely some, you know, drugs involved as well, but alcohol was kind of like the steady constant. Like I kind of like drugs came and went in my life. I never, you know, went too far in with those, but like alcohol was like the, you know, the socially accepted drug. Right. Right, So it's like, that's the one you can stick to if you're going to stick to one. Yeah.
0: You said a couple of things in there that I, completely relate to and one of them was like this is the thing like when Mm -hmm. when you realize like this is the thing that like makes me happy for me it almost became a a personality trait like nate is the one who drinks nate is Mm -hmm. the one who's like always just like next level Mm -hmm. nate's drunk nate's bringing the booze to the party even if it's like a bridal shower yeah it became a personality trait (laughs) of who I was and I kind of clung to that even though like you know deep down I knew that that wasn't necessarily uh good or what I wanted to be known or remembered for but if people were going to like apply that to me and like, make it like a fun, fun. funny thing. Yeah. Yep. Like I, I was going to go with it and just be like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like that's what it is. It's not yeah. a deep, it's not a deeper issue. It's just right. what I do. So I clung to that for a long time.
1: Yeah. I relate to that a lot too, because I think that that was also kind of my thing as well. Like when I, it's so funny. Cause when I think about the fact that I now talk about recovery out, like you said, recovering out loud, uh, you know, my entire Instagram is just dedicated to it. I just have to wonder like what people who still follow me from back in the day, (laughs) like, like they never would have imagined if you would ask them, you know, 10 years ago, if I would be doing this, they would be like, absolutely not. Because I was so far on the other side of the the spectrum, but um, to relate to what you were saying, I was also that just bringing alcohol to in at inappropriate times, like going to watch my sister's dance recital in like a high school. And I have, you know, espresso vodka in my water bottle. And that's, right. and it's like, it's funny. Like, oh, look at Andy. She's just being completely ridiculous. But it's right. like, it got it. There's also some like really dark times where I was like getting so wasted. I'm like sobbing in the hallway of my mm. sister's high school. Like, those are things that I'm just like, that's not yeah. what I would want to be known for. But at the time I just didn't care. Like the care, I had no sense of caring really. Nobody yeah. thought.
0: No, same. So, you also mentioned alcohol as sort of this coping mechanism. And that is something that I also did for a long time. And like you said, I don't remember ever being able to process these things growing up or even into early adulthood really until i started this path to recovery and started learning some of these life skills and life tools which is another way that recovery has saved my life like i'm just a better person i understand life like i i just know more things but i wonder what new coping mechanisms that you have developed in your recovery and that you can apply to everyday situations
1: Basically, that spiritual retreat kind of kick-started this uh inner desire for self-development and to become better. Like if I'm gonna eliminate alcohol from my life, no matter how long that is, I want to make the most of that time is kind of was my mentality yeah. back back when I quit drinking. And so after the retreat, I decided to um I continue to do like some one-on-one coaching with um that one of the shamans from the spiritual tree. And so she was able to give me, thankfully, a lot of tools that I hadn't had. So for example, just having someone there that is also sober, that is listening and able to hold space and learning what it means to hold space for someone um, and helping me deconstruct the, the jumble that is my thoughts and mm-hmm. in, in my brain and helping me kind of like pull it out piece by piece and sort through some of those things was really helpful. Um, diving full into like journaling, learning how to process my own feelings, even if someone else isn't there to talk to. Um, So journaling is a big thing Uh, in general, just learning. I think for me, the biggest difference between now and then is learning how to take care of myself. And I know that sounds so weird, but I just had no sense of value of my life. Like I didn't it's like I almost didn't care what happened to me. So I wasn't treating myself, my body very well. Yeah. Um, and so just learning how to uh get to sleep, how to get good sleep, um, why that makes such a big difference in like the type the way that I show up in the world and who, and who I am and how I interact with people. Um, you know, prioritizing my own health and nutrition and uh moving my body, not because I hate my body or because I want to change it, but because I I want to. Almost thank my body for what it does for me every day by showing up and, and moving it and exercise. So those are just some things off the top of my head that I can think of that have all become um, ways, and they all work kind of uh, simultaneously. They all work together. I don't think there's one thing that I could say like that's my new go to coping me- mechanism. It's it's a combination of all the things I have to do every single day in order to keep myself like balanced. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I love that to thank your body for what it does for you every day. Yeah. That's amazing. You mentioned sleep too, and I mm-hmm. noticed like on your Instagram and your and your website and a portion of your coaching is this importance of sleep in our lives yeah. and how mm-hmm. restorative it can be and how uh, you know, I, I for one slept so much that first year of of recovery. I think mm-hmm. it was, you know, a combination of Two, well, two decades of just like kicking the shit out of my body, and it literally like, <laughs> just need, needed the rest. Mm-hmm. But there was also this piece where I was just nervous to mm. be awake at some times mm-hmm. and nervous to have like time and like mm-hmm. idle hands. So mm-hmm. I would just sleep or I would mm-hmm. just nap. But as far as the importance of, of sleep as, you know, a restorative tool or how you use it in your recovery or your coaching, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. why don't you talk about that a bit?
1: When I started talking a lot about sleep, it kind of is, again, like the universe sending me a message of uh, this is something that a lot of people, especially in early recovery, early sobriety, really struggle with because it's something I'd consistently heard from clients I've worked with and people that I've worked with in like group coaching capacity is okay. I'm not drinking anymore. It's like their body almost forgot how to go to sleep because they're so used to drinking until they just passed out. Right. right. Yes. And that's actually, and what I've had to teach a lot of people is like, that's not sleep. So for however many years you've been doing that, your body actually hasn't been getting any of the benefits of sleep because you've just been essentially passing out. None of the mechanisms in your body that need to turn on to heal and restore or actually have been working this entire time. So uh, for a lot of people, when they stop drinking and they try to learn how to fall asleep, they either have problems falling asleep. So they experience some insomnia. Um, They have very interrupted sleep because they're, they're just not used to being in that deeper sleep state. So they're waking up a lot and then they might not be able to fall back asleep very well. So I just decided to really kind of make that one of the main focus, at least lately on, in, in what I talk about, because I just think everyone, and almost it doesn't matter if you even are on the recovery path. Like everyone needs to be getting excellent sleep for all of the reasons that we've been talking about being able to be a better person during the day, be better in your relationships, um, your brain power, your ability to be creative. Like it affects literally everything. So a couple of the things that I consistently tell people is the first thing being make sure that your sleep space is sacred. So I really don't recommend doing anything in the bedroom, except for bedroom activities is what I'll say. (laughs) Um, so you don't want to be like sitting on your bed on your computer or, um, Mm. even, even reading, unless it's like kind of a a more boring book, that's not going to stimulate your mind. You just want to make sure that You're not doing anything in your room. That's going to signal to your brain. This is awake time, right? You want it. Okay. That's okay. And lots of people are, it's just, what happens is your your brain starts to make that association of sitting in this bed, in this room means being awake and being alert and being creative or whatever it is you might be doing. So I just recommend really like not being in there at all, unless it's, it's for sleep or other things. Um, Another thing is making sure that the room is like a cave. So you want it to be very dark. I recommend blackout curtains. I recommend, you know, if an eye mask feels uh, like it would be nourishing to you to to wear an eye mask um, so that there's no extra light. Uh, If you have any electronics in your room, well, I don't recommend that. But if you do, making sure you cover, you know, the little red light or something that's on the the electronic, because as simple as it sounds, that little light. Can actually really be affecting your Mm -hmm. sleep. Um, Let's see. And then I really, well, one last tip I'll give is I think it's very helpful for people to create a nighttime routine. So I know a lot of people might have a morning routine or like a meditation practice, but I actually think having a nighttime one as well can be just as impactful because you need to signal to your brain we're transitioning from you know, daytime to nighttime transitioning from being alert and awake and responsive to kind of starting to slow down and rest and relax. So that nighttime routine can really be whatever would feel best for you, but a combination of, um, like a bath or a nice shower, um, using maybe some essential oils, uh, reading something that again, is not going to be stimulating to your mind is more like calming or relaxing. A meditation, if someone feels they can fit that in would be awesome as well. Or just listening to, um, some nice, like classical music, you know, stuff it. that's really just going to help calm the nervous system. And if you, as you do it and it becomes a habit, again, your brains will start to make that association that, okay, this is the routine. This means that it's it's going to be bedtime soon. So it can start producing the melatonin that you need to, to go to sleep so that you're not laying in bed just like
0: right. frustrated. I do, that that's funny. Sleep. I do do that. I have a Spotify station called Jazz for Sleep mm. that I listen to every night. Alexa, play Jazz for love Sleep that. and she'll fire it up. And yeah, then, I love that. <laughs> and uh, do you have a family history of addiction?
1: Yes. um, Well, for sure. I'm like the only person in my family that's sober, (laughs) like the only one. Um, And looking at my parents and I don't know for sure how far back it goes, but definitely with my parents, there's always been some problems there. I don't, I don't know if I would call it addiction because I don't necessarily feel like I should be labeling other people's
0: experiences, you know, hundred percent agree.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, is there potentially, uh, more to look at there is what I'll say. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but for the sake of just uh, respecting everyone's journey, I would say, um, yeah, that's just how I look at it. Yeah. Is there's definitely something to look at there?
0: Respectable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't know what is driving their mm-hmm. desire to drink, right? We don't mm-hmm. know the feelings on the inside, which ultimately was the reason for my addiction, again, Mm -hmm. won't speak for other people, but I respect the way that you describe that. Actually. I like that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) What's the best way for uh, folks to get in touch with you if, if they're interested in working together or to learn sort of more about your coaching?
1: Yeah. Um, So on Instagram, my name is coach Andy Petty, A-N-D-I-P-E-T-T-Y. And my DMs are always open. I always love to just connect with people. Um, support them however I can, even if they don't want to work together in a coaching capacity, that's totally fine. Um, but I just like to kind of be there as an open resource if someone is struggling or needs some guidance. Um, I technically am a, a health coach. So while I work with mostly people who are on the sobriety spectrum, a lot of the coaching I do is actually going to be a full, holistic health uh, perspective. So, Um, we're going to talk about nutrition and moving your body and mindset, limiting beliefs, subconscious beliefs and stuff like that. So if anyone is considering any kind of coaching, it's definitely, it's not like a, maybe a more traditional, like recovery coach. I don't call myself that it's more like, let's give you tools to build. Yes. To build healthy habits. Um, and at the same time, my ask of them is obviously, to abstain from alcohol in order to maximize the experience of the, the coaching. Um, so yeah, so that's my Instagram. And then my website is also coach So they can go there as well. And I have a free sleep guide on there, like you mentioned, so they could always just grab that if they just want, you know, some more tips on sleep and yeah, those are the two best places.
0: But I noticed on your Amazon storefront that there's a focus on paleo diet too. Mm, is yeah. that, um, is that something you practice or, Let's talk yeah, about
1: that. that's a good question. I so my background in the coaching space is actually I was an, a paleo nutrition coach for many years. So I worked for a huge paleo company, paleo brand company, and was doing online coaching for you know took thousands of people through like a thirty day challenge. And so that was my first kind of introduction to the online coaching space. Mm. And um, so that's probably on there from.
0: <laughs> so from then.
1: Yeah. But in general, I find it to be a very helpful way of eating. Uh, I think that it, the emphasis is on whole real foods, which mm-hmm. is also something I emphasize as well, getting rid of a lot of the processed stuff. Um, however, I don't necessarily require someone to like be on the paleo diet. And that's not necessarily what I coach. I like to give people um, what I call them as universal truths of nutrition. So like, let's pull all of the rules from all these different diets. And let's look at the common themes, right? Mm -hmm. Like I just said, they all emphasize real whole foods, getting rid of the processed stuff. So I actually more like to focus on those things and letting people decide what feels best for them than necessarily like telling them this is the best way to do it. Because I think lots of people, it's very individualistic. It's very dependent on them and how they feel in their bodies. And so I'm very supportive of that too.
0: That's great. Yeah. And there may be certain dietary restrictions yeah. or preferences as well, too. So yeah. but I mean, the, the, there's really no denying the benefits of whole real foods, Yeah, right? exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like we can all agree yeah. on that. So I'm not going to ruffle like yeah. know, any feathers with that. Right. one. But
0: uh, how many tattoos do you have?
1: <laughs> so many. <laughs>
0: um,
1: someone just asked me this yesterday and I I I'm going to say it's probably around 20. I'm not exactly sure. I haven't changed okay. in a while. Um, I have
0: 18. So we're okay. like, right. I over...
1: love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that.
0: My mom's like, are you done yet? And I'm like, no, "Oh my I'll gosh. never be done. Oh so my gosh. Just prepare yourself for like, probably forever. I'll just Classic keep getting... parent question. Yeah.
1: Are, are you done, done yet? Yet? Like, yeah. listen, I got sober. Yeah. What more do you Come want on, from me? Right. Like, I got to hold on to something.
0: <laughs> so. Yes. So this is kind of a new question that I've been asking, but to keep with the theme of the sobriety diaries, if you were to uh, make a diary entry today, uh, what would that sound like?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I can actually tell you like, yeah, my normal journaling diary routine is I always like to start out with um, gratitude. So my my first thing is always just listing gratitude. Well, obviously, my number one for today will be that I was had the opportunity to be here to be on this podcast and to share my story. So that's gonna be my first point of gratitude. Um, always grateful for my children and that they're healthy and happy and safe. And I also tend to express gratitude to myself um, for my self awareness, my creativity, my inner knowing, my intuition. So those are kind of would be my three points of gratitude for today. I like to um, then do some types of affirmations. So mine for today, I think would be something I'm working with is um, again, boosting myself up. So I would say I am powerful. That's, that's going to be one of my affirmations for today's entry. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also like to set an intention for the day. And so my intention for today is I, I just want to be present. I want to be present for the full day, for the full experience of the day. Um, every interaction that I have, and every opportunity that I have for today. I think that's what today's entry
0: would look like. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I love that everything is like intentional, like there's an Mm -hmm. intention behind Mm -hmm. things that you do and say. And I think that's important.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's definitely been one of my values that I've really been trying to live by. So whenever it's recognized, I really appreciate that. So thank you.
0: Andy, we have a lot of listeners that are in early recovery, so I like to leave them with some resources or some takeaways. Do you have uh, any Quitlet or podcasts or any resources?
1: Um, Well, obviously your podcast is going to to be recommended. Um, I was recently on a podcast called The Elevate Experience, so um, that is two people in California who run a recovery center. And so their podcast is uh, all about very much like tips, resources, kind of um, they have guests, guests come on and speak. So the Elevate experience, uh, Angie and Dallas, they're great people. So I really Love recommend it. that one. I personally, and this is might be like sound silly in the recovery space, but I actually haven't read or listened to any quitlet, but my reasoning is for me, I'm, I'm a little concerned. It could be triggering, uh, like yeah. a hearing other people's my, what, from what I understand, a lot of quitlet is like, they go into detail about some of their experiences and traumas with yeah. drinking. Yeah, And I've just, even from early sobriety, I just was a little concerned that that would be, cause I just, I tend to take on the emotions of
0: Same. things like oh, that. Yeah. And it
1: it almost can be too heavy mm-hmm. for me. And it'll kind of, so anyway, so That for being one reason. And then another reason just being, um, I want to make sure that my message and what I say is very honest and authentic to who I am. And I'm, I'm a little concerned too, that if I get too much into the quitlet world, I might start regurgitating other, what other people have come up with as their methods. And I don't want to get confused and I don't want to ever come across like I'm stealing someone's work or re, you know, reusing someone's work. So
0: yeah, that's a good point, especially yeah. coming from the perspective of worked hard to develop your own coaching style, I'm sure, yeah, and like yeah. things that that you could offer your clients. So that makes sense.
1: Just leaning leaning on people in this community like you and other people I'm sure that you've had on your podcast and just leaning leaning on them for support if you need it, going to their profiles, reading through their posts, just um just kind of immersing yourself in this world, I think is like the best place to start because for me, before I got sober, there was this mentality that it would like be lonely. And I didn't Mm. know anybody else really that was sober. Um, And so I didn't have any kind of anyone to look up to as like, this is what it could be. And I just love that there's been this explosion of sober culture, especially on social media Uh, and online, that it's so much more readily available for people now. Whereas I don't feel like maybe when you and I got sober, it was as much. So
0: totally agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And like, I would even add to that as you're, you know, following people in this beautiful online recovery space Mm -hmm. and looking at their pages, I would, I would take it further and reach out, DM them. Like I've never had someone say like, "Mm, no, thanks. I'm not interested in like, (laughs) I don't want to help. Like, you know, it's, it's just this sort of like unspoken thing that we've like all got each other's back. So mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's really changed my recovery completely in the last two years, this j- diving into the sort of online recovery space and, and meeting these people who are just so open and free with their story in yeah. the hopes that it, it, it's going to help someone else. I think it's, yeah. it's just beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like, I feel like people in the sobriety space are some of the most like selfless people. Mm -hmm. And I've even said in previous posts on my page, like, I feel like addicts, you know, or recovering addicts, um, have this, uh, this underlying just love for humanity and people that they want to that they just want to help. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I don't know of anybody who's like doing this, for like any kind of fame or recognition because right. like to put yourself out there <laughs> right. and tell the stories that we tell like it's definitely not something we think is going to make us look better right, so, right. You know. So
0: <laughs> I love that Andy Petty thank you so much for your time it was everything that I thought that it would be and like I'm not trying to sound cheesy either like, <laughs> I, I know now why I needed to hear your story today so thank you so much for your time
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was every bit as enjoyable as I knew it was going to be. And I also just want to thank you for what you're doing here with this podcast and with your profiles and just like everything you're doing for this space. You're definitely a very valuable member of the community and I just appreciate it.
0: Wow. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And you mentioned earlier, like we're doing it to help. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. that's why truly am am doing it so i i really appreciate that thank you of
1: course yes thank you
0: thanks so much for listening today friends hopefully you heard something that resonates with you and if we help just one person our job is done make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest You can find all things podcast-related and subscribe to our show at thesobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast, and on Instagram at thesobrietydiariespod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.